time in 12 years, the Sox are going to the playoffs. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Sox on Tap. I am your boy Buzz, and I am joined by my dude, NWI Steve, and we are here to recap a 4-3 victory over the Minnesota Twins. But this is a very important victory. And we're going to tell you why. But before we do, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at ontapsportsnet, at SoxOnTap. I'm so fucking j- jacked right now. I'm, I'm messing up the intro here. And anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. So be sure you're giving us a five-star rating and review. Steve, it seems like you and I are the team to record when we win lately. So we're going to keep that same energy and we're going to keep it going. Why don't you tell the people what the Sox just fucking did right now? Hey, yo. I'll tell you what the Sox just did, Buzz. The Sox just clinched their first playoff berth since September 30th, 2008, when they beat the Minnesota Twins one to nothing to win the blackout game, and Nick Swisher sprayed champagne in my right eye to clinch a Central Division title. We're going back, Mission Sox-tober, baby. And you know what we have to do to that, right? We have to. Oh, that's what we have to do to that. That's what we have. To, we have to crack them to that because. The Sox are back in the playoffs. And I'll tell you something right now. Um, Steve, I know you've been on the show with me a lot of times. I usually don't do this, but shade is being thrown right now. This team shows that they can beat good teams and come from behind and do it. Because the Minnesota Twins last year were not only a 100-win team. They hit the most dingers in the fucking league. They were on fire the whole year. Coming to this year, they're still a very good team. Sox split the series with them, the, the whole season series with them. And we beat them from a come-behind victory to clinch, like you said, our first playoff spot in eight – fuck, or I'm sorry, since 2008. It's, it's amazing. And uh, <laughs> I'm on one, dude. I'm on one. So uh, I know we're all jacked up about this, but we have to talk about this game that they just won. And I just, I just want to go full-blown podcast and just start shitting on everybody that said, you know, they, we ain't going to do anything. But <laughs> we got to recap this game. So um, I got to watch the first six innings um, – Steve at the office, and then I took off from the office, and I listened to Andy and DJ on the way home. And uh, fun fact, DJ will be on TV tomorrow night taking a spot for Steve Stone. Steve Stone has an off day. So uh, DJ will be on TV tomorrow night with Jason. But let's get into this, man. We get a Ronaldo Lopez start. And I know when everybody saw this yesterday, Steve, they were just like, man, we really need to win this game so we can clinch. It's going to be Ronaldo. What a fucking game from Ronaldo Lopez. What a game from Ronaldo Lopez against a very, very good Twins team. Yeah, so, you know, Lopez, you know, I will will say this. I was um, very pessimistic when I saw that he was named the starter in place of Diamond Dallas Keuchel today here. And I've been very down on Lopez for quite a while now. And so coming into this one, I didn't feel very positive. But he did step up in, in this game. You know, he was able to give them... Um, you know, he was able to get him into the sixth inning, giving up three runs on, on the three solo home runs, the two to the scrub Byron Buxton, who doesn't hit against any team, not wearing a white Sox Jersey and against Josh Donaldson, who, you know, that play might've come back to haunt them. You know, I'm sure we'll get into that later on there, but, uh, Lopez did a couple of things today that, that I actually really liked. He, he was much more aggressive utilizing his secondary offerings throughout the course of this ball game, utilizing especially his changeup and and then also mixing in his slider more frequently here instead of being so fastball dominant. Um, That's one of the things that was pretty important here tonight. 
been pretty well documented that the Twins actually are one of the top, if not the top, fastball hitting teams in all of Major League Baseball. So, again, um, kudos to Yasmani Grandal here today, similar to what he did on Monday with Dylan Cease, utilizing those secondary offerings. And, and Lopez did a really nice job aside from getting a couple of pitches up like I said, to Buxton and to Donaldson and really just keeping the Twins hitters off of balance overall. So, you know, the, the three home runs on the ledger don't look particularly great, but overall, I would say it was definitely a very positive performance out of Ronaldo overall. Yeah, I was I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with Ronaldo. Um, you know, his fastball working, I just, on those home run balls, I was just surprised that he, he was throwing them. And what was he? What was he doing? Throwing the off-speed pitches, Steve, and that was working for him. But the two to Buxton were on fastballs, right? If I'm not mistaken, like right up top. Yeah, yeah, there were fastballs that leaked out over the plate a little bit. Yeah, and I was just kind of surprised by that. I thought he was going to keep trying to tack him away, but whatever. Fuck it, I, I don't even care at this point. But I did want to point out that you know the Twins jumped on us first, and that was a Byron Buxton second inning shot. And then the Sox did not get on the board, Steve, until until the fourth. And that's when Jose Abreu came up and MVP Pito. We need to put that on a t-shirt. Tony, I know you're listening. MVP Pito. I want that on a t-shirt. MVP Pito comes up and he hits a solo bomb. And it got the it got the, you know, I, I felt like that kind of brought the team alive a little bit. I, I does that make sense? I know Ronaldo, I'm not taking anything from Ronaldo's start, but I felt like it got the offense kind of like, oh shit, okay, you know what? We make it happen here. We're gonna make some things happen, and you know, Pito gets on the board. Then it was Buxton again in the fifth. He hits another solo home run. We answer right back with an Edwin Encarnacion home run. So you know, it's tied at that point. Sixth inning comes up, and we all know what happened with Josh Donaldson. Now, Steve, I would like you to tell everybody what happened to Josh Donaldson because there's some people in White Sox Twitter who agreed with what he did. I was, to be honest with you, Steve, I was happy with what he did, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because he got fucking ejected. So that is why I'm happy. Because I give two shits what Josh Donaldson does. He got out of the game. They could have used his at-bat there in the last inning. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, so Donaldson got got a pitch out over the play. Or, you know what, actually, i gotta, I got to back it up here. Um, Donaldson had, a, I believe it was a 2-0 count. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a fastball on the inner portion of the plate that was off the plate that was called a strike. And Donaldson was chirping with the home plate umpire regarding that call. And then I think it was the next pitch or the following pitch, he hits the solo home run to give the Twins the 3-2 to two lead. And as he's crossing the plate, he drags his back foot, kicks dirt on the plate, gets immediately wrung from the, from the game by, by the home plate umpire, and then goes back and proceeds to kick some more dirt on the plate as if saying, you know, he's obviously questioning and, and bitching about the about the strike zone um, earlier in the bat, which I can't quite understand what would possess you to think doing that after you hit a home run to give your team the lead is a good strategy. Now, I will certainly support Josh Donaldson's tomfoolery in this particular case because he took himself out of the game and then that put Adrianza at third base. And we all know he's a very light hitting uh, utility player, so to take Josh Donaldson's bat out of the top part of that lineup, you want to be an idiot? Go for it there. <laughs> it's like, be my guest, you stupid son of a bitch. You just let us clinch. You know, uh, uh, and not that he, I'm sure he had the utmost confidence in his teammates. Not that like, Josh Donaldson's 
you know, a fucking killer by any means this year. A guy's batting like 215. He's not really adding much offensively um, for the Minnesota Twins, but he's still an upgrade over on Chazza who came in and fucked every, you know, and wasn't able to do shit. So, um, you know, he ended up striking out in his uh, plate appearance there. So I'm just, again, looking down this, we get into the seventh inning. Um, it's tied game. Seventh, or I'm sorry, we're down three to two in the seventh inning. Bottom of the seventh inning. That's when magic happens, Steve. That's when magic happens. Actually, you know what? Before that, I want to point out something that happened in the top of the seventh inning. Luis Roberts' error. Talk about it because you. I I only heard it on the radio, Steve. You saw it. You saw it on the game. I I didn't. I only heard about it. I did not get to actually watch the play yet. I still have not seen it. Yeah. So. The Twins have Buxton on on first base. He had singled to to lead off the inning, and get a fly ball to to right center field, and the play is kind of carrying Lou Bob away from the throw. So Buxton was probably going to tag up and go to second on the play anyway. Robert kind of nonchalanted the, the catch and dropped it. And Buxton was very aggressive on the bases, got to third base, took a really aggressive turn and tried to force the issue and, and, and tried to score from, from first base on the play. Sox executed a very well done uh, cutoff play there and they were able to get him at the plate. However, if you really looked at the replay and there were a couple of replays that looked as if Buxton's hand got in before Grandal was able to put the tag on him but the twins didn't have their challenge anymore because they had lost it earlier in the game. So that proved to be a very pivotal play in, in that game right there, which, you know, you went from possibly being up four to two in that circumstance. So now all of a sudden three, two, and then Cody Hoyer is able to work his way out of the rest of the inning. The thing that concerns me a little bit is I I'm starting to wonder here if Luis Roberts struggles at the plate here during the month of September, where he's just really getting bombarded with, pitches on the outer third of the plate if he's starting to take some of that frustration with him into center field which really this team can't afford to have because you know he's shown time and time again what a top level center fielder he is being able to get to balls that you know outside of maybe Byron Buxton maybe no other center fielder in the league can do so I think Robert's got to get him get his mind right here get back to a mental state where he's completely focused. I just think that was just simply a lack of focus. Now the, the execution on that cutoff play um, really helped save him in that particular circumstance. There's just something they got to clean up. Right. And how I kind of understood it from Andy and DJ on the radio there was um, they, you know, Andy had mentioned he might've lost it in the sun. DJ thought that he lost, lost concentration um, on the play itself but they did make it just seem so like the call of it. I wish you got to hear it. And I'm sure we'll find a sound clip somewhere because you, I mean, as I've told you in person before, and we've texted about, I love listening to the radio. Like, I love watching the games, but I don't know why it's like this really stupid old school thing. I mean, I like sitting outside if I don't bring the TV out there and I'll just have the game on and we'll be running around having a good time, you know, but listening to the call of, of, of Luis Robert bombing that thing back into magical. And they talk so highly of Nick magical on that play that he caught it and did not turn just to look to see if he was running or not. Nick, man, it was like a, a snap, snap. He caught it. He turned, he gunned it. And, and, you know, whether or not they got him um, remains to be seen because they didn't have the challenge to throw, but uh, that was a, a great recovery. Like you said, in the first place, um, you know, to make it happen. So then getting into the scoring plays in the seventh inning, Steve, walk us through that. What happened there? Yeah. You know, big, biggest thing there, obviously, um, 
you know, you had Jared Dyson who led off the inning with a, another base hit. And he was a guy that a lot of people were kind of irritated when they saw him in the lineup uh, to start the day, wondering why Adam Engel wasn't out there. And I was trying to tell people, look, Kenta Maeda is death on right-handed hitters. So at least putting Dyson in there, you know, maybe he can draw a walk because Maeda for his career has walked close to 10% of the left-handed hitters he's faced. Maybe Dyson's able to draw a walk, steal a base, and they can score a run that way. But he swung the bat very well today. So he had two hits, gets that leadoff hit there in, in the seventh inning, um, almost got doubled off on a on an attempted steal where Madrigal had to swing on, on a two-strike count, flew to Kepler, and Kepler's throw was actually offline. If Kepler makes a good throw, Dyson's out at first base, and, and this rally never happens. But, you know, throws offline, Dyson then is able to just – Steals second base, gets a huge jump um, on, on the Twins reliever. I can't recall who it was at, at the time here to the point where Jeffers doesn't even make a throw. So that really kind of sets things up um, for, for the Sox in this particular situation here. You have then, you have Yasmani Grandal is able, or excuse me, Tim is able to have a sack fly, or excuse me, ground ball to second base, gets Dyson over to third with two outs and Grandal coming up. Grandal has a tremendous at bat, is able to work a walk in that spot, and is able to get Jose Abreu to the plate. That's the guy you want in this spot. This is your big time RBI guy, the guy that comes through in the clutch that everybody is always talking about. And the guy that's really one of the forerunners for the MVP here comes up in a critical spot, rolls over a, a fastball on the outer third of the plate, hits a ground ball into the hole at short, and Polanco, for a reason I can't quite understand just lollygags this play, takes his time getting to the ball, and it didn't even really look like he got his momentum behind him to make a strong throw, and Abreu gets an infield single to drive in the tying run. That is cool and tough because Pito does it in ways that other people this season just can't do it. An infield single, and he's not the – we both know he's not the fastest guy in the world at all, but the hustle there is awesome because he noticed that Polanco took him lightly. Polanco was probably like, well, at least it's not Tim Anderson or Luis Robert or Nick Madrigal hitting a single on me where I got to try to get to this ball. He took them lightly. And if the Twins keep doing that to us, we're (laughs) – well, obviously we're not playing them anymore if we do see them, hopefully not in the playoffs, but, you know, whatever. If they take us lightly, they lose, and that's exactly what happened on that play. That's exactly what happened on that play. And then, then, you know, you you cap it off. Aloy Jimenez comes through in the clutch, hits an absolute piss rod – down the third baseline there. I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> to, get the game-winning, to get what turned out to be the game-winning run in there. And you could see when he got to when he got to second base, he was pumped and he let it all out because that's the biggest hit of that guy's young career to this point right there. That put him out in front and they never looked back. Absolutely. They had taken Yasmani Grandal off of second base for um, Yomir Sanchez to be the, the uh, pinch runner uh, when Eloy hit his double. And they had, uh, I guess, panned to the dugout for per radio broadcast here. And Yaz looked perplexed, like, I could have made it home on that. You didn't need a pitch runner for that. So it was awesome. And then there was no score. Um, you know, nothing really happened after that scoring-wise after Eloy drove in the uh, winning run in the bottom of the seventh. In the eighth inning, uh, Cody Hoyer did let up a hit in that eighth inning there. And they brought in Alex Colome, uh to get the four-out save. And, I mean, what are we going to say about this guy, Steve? It's time and time again. He's automatic. He has a .95, probably drop a little bit. He's got a .95 ERA in, in today, which was his 19th appearance. 
0.95 ERA. He is 12 for 13, Steve, on save uh, opportunities. Yeah, listen, you know, I'm someone that I, I was very tough and very critical of Alex Colomay coming into the year. He's done an outstanding job, and he has quieted pretty much all the critics here to this point. You know, he'll have a couple of, of outings out there where things go a little bit awry and they look a little bit shaky, but he still is able to get the job done. But for the most part, I mean, he he has been absolute nails here to this point. And, you know, I got to give that guy a, a lot of credit, um, and I'll, I'm willing to take my L on that one. Well, you know, there's there's a reason. You know, a lot of people like their closers to play a little bit different of a game, but I, it's just kind of where. And you know how me, Tony, and Nani were the column A crew. We we went and fought everybody on Twitter who who were coming at us about that. But I just, Steve, I had a weird calmness about me today when he came on the mound in the eighth inning. It wasn't like that that butterfly shit. Like, oh, please don't walk anybody and get these guys on base. It was just kind of like, I think we got this shit, and and. And look what happened. I mean, I revisited the Seattle trade where we acquired him from, and I'm like, thank God. I think that's one of the best trades the Sox have ever made. That's what it feels like to me right now because the guy is just always automatic, and he did it in a season last year, you know, when we were about 500 at the break, and then he did it after we were losing, you know, losing ball games. He was he stayed consistent, and he's staying consistent in games that obviously every game matters, but he's doing it in uh, big games. That's huge, and that's something awesome to have. The bullpen was fantastic with the Cordero, Cody Hoyer, and Colome today. I am just, I'm on one about that, man. I'm absolutely on one. The Sox pulled off this victory, come from behind victory. I actually, Steve, I won twenty bucks. I don't know if you can see. I put down, I put down ten dollars in the sick or the fifth inning that the Sox were going to win, and they did. So I'll, I will take that. But um, Oops. you know, I, I'm just. Man, I'm over the moon about it. You know, first time since 2008. Sox Twitter's on one right now. Maybe they can all stop arguing with each other and enjoy the fucking moment. And, no, yeah. you know, it, you know, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But uh, I, I could be hopeful that it is. So uh, a couple keys of the game that I'd like to talk about with you, Steve, here is uh, Tim Anderson held a hitless. Um, uh, interesting stat for you just because of, again, credit to Andy and DJ. Uh, Tim Anderson in day game, Steve, he, bat he bats 295. In night games, he was batting like three, like three ninety or three eighty or something like that. So that was kind of an interesting thing. Um, Yoan Mankata does not look to be himself. He had that pep to his step. What was that? That was a, that was the series prior to this Minnesota series that he he seemed to, that he had the pep to his step back, but it looks like he's tired again, and it, he's just not swinging the bat well. Um, I'm really hoping he figures that out because I I know we're winning and it's awesome, but it just adds that extra insurance on if he's going to play better in the playoffs. You know what I mean? We we need him to be good. Yeah, listen, Yohan Mankata getting his legs under him uh, would certainly help this team tremendously, and it would just help to further lengthen the lineup. Again, here these last couple of days, he, he just looks all out of sorts at the plate. Even his approach up there, you know, he's almost kind of reverting back to what we saw of him in 2018, where he was extremely passive, almost trying to work walks and, and being gun shy of swinging the bat a little bit here, taking a lot of fastballs right down the plate. You know, there was that sequence in the seventh inning or, or excuse me, in the, in the sixth inning after uh, my pick to click, Yasmani Grandal let off with a leadoff double. And um, Pito drew a walk and Edwin had a hit by pitch. So they had bases loaded and one out. And they had a chance to bust this game open. And Yolan took two straight fastballs right down the mm -hmm. cock 
to to strike out there. And then Luis Robert, again, same thing, uh, had another strikeout in there. You know, one of the problems and one of the things that I was noticing about this team and, and their approach when Kenta Maeda was in there, and I even tweeted a couple of screenshots from the Baseball Savant page that yeah. was basically showing the heat map of where Kenta Maeda was pitching the ball. He was working almost exclusively one side of the plate, inside to a left-hand hitter or, or outside to to a right-hand hitter on both his fastballs and his sliders. And for whatever the reason, the hitters just were not making that adjustment and they were not willing to go with that pitch into right field. Um, that's something that Luis Roberts, especially right now, given the funk that he's in, he really needs to start doing that a little bit until he gets his timing back at, at the plate here. And, and especially seeing, you know, Aloy Jimenez, one of the other young stars in this lineup, a guy who was in a funk himself maybe about two weeks ago, and he got himself out of it. He was letting the ball get a little deeper on him, and he was working the ball to right field with, with authority. You know, I, it would be really nice if Frank Manichino or even Aloy himself could sit down with Luis and say, hey, let the ball get a little deeper on you. Work the ball to right here. Get your timing back. Get you know, start trusting your hands again a little bit. And then you know, when you start getting yourself into some good quality hitters' accounts and you have your timing back, then you can turn and burn and try to pull one on the damn concourse. Right, right. I pretty much agree with everything you said. And when you, you know, I, I want to go back to when you said his approach. You know, I mean. For Makata, that is. I just, I don't understand. Even when he goes up to the plate, it looks like a lack of days of cold. He, dude, he just doesn't look right. I mean, if it's COVID, you know, they said the COVID, you know, he said it. I'm sorry, the COVID really affected him. COVID 19 really affected him. He doesn't feel the same. And then you had people saying, well, they need to shut him down for like, well, they tried that a couple times. He did get like six, what was that, six days off in a row at one point. And that was, you know, when we br just brought Yilmer back, I think that was. I don't think he ever got six or was days it five? off. It was I, I don't, I don't even know if it was, if it was that many, you know. I was pretty critical of the fact that they had that when they had that stretch of the sub 500 teams on, on the schedule there. And they had, I, th I think it was a 10 game stretch where it was Detroit, Pittsburgh, and then Detroit again. And they didn't DL him mm -hmm. at that point. So just give him 10 days, try to get his body right and, and try to get his mind right and, and try to come back strong. I, I just didn't understand why they never did that, especially when they had a couple of off days built into that. So it wasn't as if it was going to be him missing 10 games. Um, you know, at this point here, I'm, I'm pretty fearful actually that we're just not going to get a functional Yohan Mankata at the plate here in 2020. So that's he's, absolutely terrifying. The, the, it, it, it sucks. It really does. But the, the positive thing that we can say is he still is playing a really solid defensive third base. Um, and maybe he's able to go out there and work some counts and draw some walks in, in some scenarios here. I'm just not, I'm not particularly hopeful that we're going to see the forceful Yohan Mankata that we saw in 2019 at the dish here for the remainder of this season. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's a good point. I mean, probably won't happen. I hope it does, but obviously he's battling something and hopefully they can either get it figured out or he could just be, serviceable enough to not be the the main guy that we want him to be but at least serviceable enough to help us you know win win ball games um if you don't have anything else to touch on on this one man i'm ready to move into uh into the friday series against the reds here i got i got one more thing i, I just want to kind of touch on here a Very little good. bit you know, a lot of people in uh in 
Twins Twitter were getting very, very chirpy <laughs> about, you know, the Sox hadn't played anybody. They were 12 and 14 against teams with, you know, winning or, you know, with winning records here so far in 2020. And the Sox just went and they just took three out of four from them. So that ought to shut them up pretty damn quick. You know, I wrote that article on, on Monday that came out talking about how this team, if they're going to get to that next level, if they're going to get where we as a fan base all collectively want them to be, they got to step up and they got to win a series against the Minnesota Twins in September when it counts. They did that here. First place was on the line at 35th and Shields. They had a chance. They went out there. They took three out of four, and they basically now, they've got a four-game lead in the loss column. But the pivotal thing, the pivotal thing here is they now have the first place tiebreaker. So they're basically up five games. And you know why they have that tiebreaker now? Because they went 18 and two against the Royals and the Tigers, which all those loudmouth jack-off Twins fans were saying was the only reason the White Sox were in first place to begin with. So suck on that. Bombs dropped. Absolute fucking bombs dropped. I absolutely love that. And I do want to go back before I get killed on Twitter for making a mistake there. So this is this is what happened, Steve. So he played September 5th against the Royals. And then we did not see Yoan Moncada again until September 8th against Pittsburgh. And he did that little Pittsburgh series. And then we did not see him again until the 12th. So he had uh, a two separate three-day rests. Two separate three-day rests. So that's probably why I got six in my head. I forgot about fucking Pittsburgh, which is easy to forget about Pittsburgh. But, you know, I forgot about it. Um, all right, man. Well, yeah, and also to, to, you know, follow up what you said, fuck you, Twins fans. You know, just want to throw that out there real quick. All right, we'll move in to tomorrow's series. And, Steve, I love these games. I love the games that start at 6-10. Why? Because I'm old and I have two kids and I fucking fall asleep at, like, 10 o'clock. And <laughs> I always feel horrible when I wake up the next morning. You usually get that 5-30 text from me. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> I crashed out. But, yeah, 6-10 tomorrow. Sox are in Cincinnati. They're playing the Reds. TJ Antone is on the mound for the Cincinnati Reds. He is 0-2 with a 2.76 ERA in 29 and a third innings pitch there. 17 hits he's let up. He struck out 37. And he's walked 15. He's let up four home runs. And rumored, I've seen it. I have not seen anybody verified put it out, but it's Stever tomorrow, correct? I've seen that rumor myself. It has not been confirmed. Um, I've got it on pretty reliable authority that it will be Jonathan Stever, though. Right. I am very, very excited to watch him pitch again because I really enjoyed he, – he had Sunday start, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? He had Sunday start there, and I really enjoyed watching him pitch. So um, very excited to to uh, to see him get on the mound again. Um, and, you know, basically tomorrow, man, we, we have a playoff spot clinch. But like you said, it's it's time. We want to win this division. We want to put we want to win every game that we can from here on out. Win the division. Make it happen. And I'm trying to pull up Stever's um, numbers right now. And I'm so sorry that I did not already have that ready for everybody. But I did not know if he was fucking confirmed or not. So you got any keys of the game going up against uh, against Cincinnati tomorrow? Yeah, a couple things here uh, for Jonathan Stever. You know, we saw after that rough first inning that he had on Sunday in his major league debut. He really settled down and was more aggressive in the strike zone. I think his second outing here, you know, I would expect to see more of that. This is a guy that has very good control and command. He displayed that uh, throughout the course of his minor league career after being drafted in 2018. So going to have those first game jitters out of the way here. So I'm looking for him to just be aggressive in the strike zone. 
utilize his high fastball and um, curveball combination here to try to keep the Reds' offense at bay. Which you know the Reds really don't have a very powerful offense to begin with. Uh, that that team, you know, they're getting back in it largely because of their strong starting pitching that they do have. So this is going to be a, a challenging series for our Sox. Uh, they're going to run up against some pretty strong pitching in this series uh, from Cincinnati. They're, they've got a very, very strong staff, and, and they made some nice bullpen additions at the trade deadline here. So runs could be at a premium in this series here. So, you know, just looking to see Stever and the rest of the Sox pitchers, whether it's uh, Dylan Cease or hopefully the Diamond Dallas Keuchel on Sunday, come back, pound the zone, keep this game close, and I would trust my chances with, the better offense, which the White Sox have. Right. Totally agree with that. I mean, and like you said, we can't take them lightly. They are uh, their last five games, Steve, they're undefeated. They, they, they're winning ball games here. Like you said, their starting pitching is pretty good. They have a pretty, they have a dangerous couple guys in that lineup. They got a dangerous couple guys in that lineup. But if I had to take our lineup against their lineup, I'm pretty sure our batting order kicks their ass every single time. Um, just my biased showing through. Um, you got to pick the click for tomorrow, brother. Yeah, pick to click, let's see, in Cincinnati. I'm going to go with, if he's in the lineup, I'm going to take Edwin Encarnacion because that's where he began his career some 15 years ago. Bitch, Steve. (laughs) So I'm going to want to have a little homecoming, and you know what? Maybe we see the parrot two days in a row. Yeah, took my damn pick, man. Um, That's fine. All right, so tomorrow I want to go with, hmm. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Pedo tomorrow, man, because I don't usually. And you can attest to this. I usually don't take a Brayu. I'm gonna take Pedo tomorrow because look, he's doing. He's doing the little things now. He's doing the big things now. As much as I love TA, and I, I really love to see TA win the MVP because I think that'd be good for baseball a little bit too. You know, just because I love TA's swagger and his demeanor. But God, I can't take it away from Pedo. And I want to see him. I want to see him win MVP. I think he's gonna have a huge game uh, tomorrow against Cincinnati. But other than that, man, I don't I don't have much else besides like we fucking did it, man. We're in the playoffs. We're clinched, first time in twelve years. That's uh that's that's fucking huge, man. That's just absolutely fucking huge. You got anything to lead us out with, Steve, or any uh, last words before I I ride off in the sunset here? First step in the journey is done. Let's get a couple more wins and then let's clinch the American League Central on the Cleveland Indians field, add insult to injury next week. Let's go. To follow up to that, fuck the Indians also and the Twins again. Just one more time. We just want to throw that out here because we're the best in the AO Central. But everybody be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at SoxOnTap, at ontapsportsnet, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. Be sure you're giving us a five-star rating and review. We'll be back tomorrow night. After the conclusion of the White Sox Cincinnati Reds game, White Sox forever. White Sox for life. Are you a sports card collector? Are you looking to buy or sell your vintage cards? If so, contact Josh over at Midwest Vintage Cards. With over 25 years of experience in the field, Midwest Vintage Cards will pay you cash for your collection. Check out their eBay store by searching Midwest Vintage Cards 
or follow them on Instagram at Midwest Vintage Cards. Contact Josh at 847-602-8604 or email him at josh at midwestvintagecards.com to get your quote today.